Hello, and welcome to another episode of the IT Kit Podcast, sponsored by our friends at Spoke. Today, I get to chat about modern IT topics with Kyle Dubow. Dubose, yeah. Dubose, yeah. Dubose. Uh, he's the manager of workplace infrastructure at Brandless. Welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here. Great. Um, just want to get started. Like I thought maybe you could tell me a little bit about you, um, how you maybe you got into IT, and uh, what you're doing over at Brandless right now. Sure, yeah. I know the uh, the path to IT was uh, was a long and twisty one almost. Uh, like I went to college originally from architecture, which is completely out there, uh, and switched like five times. Uh, but I remember I was, I was I used to work for the student newspaper when I was at college at Auburn. Uh, and one day, like, my computer was just not working. It was super old, and so I just decided to crawl into the desk and, like, start fixing it, and the managing director walks in and goes, I think we're using you in the wrong capacity, and so then I just started doing IT for the student newspaper, and after my fourth major switch, I was like, maybe I should do that, because I'm actually pretty good at it, and I like it, and it's fun, and I hate my classes, so I just switched <laughs> into doing that, so... Great. Never look back. Got it. Got it. And uh, and uh, so now you're at, you're at Brandless, and mm -hmm. uh, maybe talk about your role there. Yeah. So uh, I started at Brandless a year ago, last Thursday, actually, in the 22nd, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, yeah, so WordPress infrastructure, it's everything, facilities and IT. Um, so I do all the office build-outs. I've done multiple of those, maintain network, maintain basic support, um, all the way up to, you know, oh, God, oh, God, the internet's on fire. So yeah. <laughs> uh, kind of my day is different every day. I might be using a, you know, impact hammer drill, or I might be sitting at my computer all day looking at, uh, you know, log reports. So right. <laughs> who knows? So basically, you've, like your roles in, in IT have been much more around like the many hats, startup environments, high growth. Yeah. So when I first uh, moved to this city, I worked for a, uh, a you know, um, a managed service provider uh, working for nonprofits. And there I focused primarily in things like network uh, and just break fix. Uh, and then I took that experience off to my first startup. Uh, they were looking for someone who knew networking pretty well. And then I just kind of added hats as I learned things, learned on the job. Uh, that's how I got the facilities chops. And then I went to work at ShareThrough and kind of took over doing a lot of things. I took over IT and then worked with an awesome facilities manager who showed me a lot of cool things. And then at Brandless, they're like, we want someone who can do both. And I was like, I'm your guy. That's awesome. <laughs> so, yeah. It's amazing. Like, I, I've been, uh, I kind of, like, started off doing a lot more IT stuff and then mm -hmm. eventually got into just doing facilities, you know, uh, kind of natural with mm -hmm. uh, being at a startup where they're like, hey, who could actually do a, an office build out? And I'm like, you know, look around the room, raise my hand, like, I, I could do it. Like, I'll, I'll do my best. And then, uh, but it's a kind of a natural fit where it's very, it's operational and totally. you need to get things, you know, built out and get just get things done, rolled the sleeves. Yeah, I remember. So I think it was my uh, my second day at Brandless. I had just met my manager because, like, when I was being hired on, they were putting me under the head of technology, so engineering. And I expressed that I, I love being under HR. I think IT is a people-driven uh, department. I think that's where IT should live. Uh, and so I met my manager my second day at work. Uh, we hit it off really well, and I talked about how I built, like, seven offices at my previous company shared through she's like really we're building a minneapolis office maybe you should go i bought a ticket was on the plane the next day <laughs> so my third day at the company i was at the you know on the plane to go to minneapolis to build out our new office that, that's pretty crazy so like <laughs> even before you started that was not even in the, the plans it, at all it was you know my resume said that i'd done it before and i'm sure like danny who was the was going to be my manager knew about it but the person who is michelle who is now my manager did not know about it and so we were just kind of talking and kind of getting to know each other and she's like wait you've done this multiple times like yeah she's like you should probably go <laughs> it's like yeah I probably should, to be honest. Yeah, so. I just don't think it's a good choice there. Um, you know, one of the things that, um, you know, in previous episodes of the, the podcast, we talked mm -hmm. about, like, you know, kind of like grew on top of the topics. It was kind of mm -hmm. like firefighting. And then, you know, once you get your head above water, like what are the things and processes and, and technologies you should be investing in to kind of reduce those? Mm -hmm. um, and then talked about like, you know, uh, branding IT and like, you know, thinking about it from a, as, as technology instead of IT. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, building roadmaps and, and uh, setting direction. Um, I think it's kind of a natural uh, discussion now to kind of talk about like 
teams, like, mm-hmm. you know, and, and saying like, hey, you know, um, now that you have this roadmap in front of you, you you have your goals in front of you um, uh, and, and growth is like, you know, again, um, something that's on the forefront for the company. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to get stuff done, right? Exactly. Shit, yeah. shit has to be done. <laughs> it has to get done. So, you know, just talking about that, like right now, I believe that you're a team of one. Is mm-hmm. that correct? Yes. Um, Talk to me about like knowing one of the hardest things is being able as a, you know, for me, at least my experience has been is being able to know when like, hey, I need some help mm-hmm. um, and I just can't do it all myself. What's your, been ex- your experience with that? Yeah, it's, it's one of those things I feel like, especially as IT professionals, we're always like, oh, I can do this. I can handle this. And we keep going, going, I got this, I got this. And then one day you're like, I'm 18 behind on my to-do list and I have yep. to get stuff done. Uh, so one of the ways that I've, I've kind of tackled this in the past is I always try to look at, uh, you know, am I more than 80% busy with like firefighting or just doing like break fix or reactionary things? Because if I'm not spending at least 20% of my time on like um, not reactionary, but on preventative. So right. you're doing preventative stuff, uh, you know, things that can make it so you don't have so much reactionary stuff going on. Um, so if you're not spending enough time doing that, you're just going to get more and more things coming at you. So right. I always do that like 80%. So if you're like 80% busy, that's when you should really start looking for that next person to come in and help you out. Either take some of your tasks or bring on a specialist who can, you know, focus on one area so you can just completely let it go. Right. And uh, how do you, how do you actually, that's interesting. Cause like, I think I've, I, um, that's a, I like that metric to say like mm-hmm. 80%, like, and so how do you measure that? You know, being a team of one, do you like literally, you know, um, use some systems or applications to actually track that? You know, so I used to, I used to just go by feel, uh, like I'd be like, okay, like, do I, like, am I. 80% of this day, like, busy. Um, you can kind of track it well if you use your tickets. A lot of ticket systems will have, like, you know, time tracking in there so you know how much time you're doing it. Um, but I do find when you're a team of one, you don't track your ticket time very well. You just kind of react, go, and then you put your notes and you close the ticket. Um, so I tend to look at, you know, how many tickets am I closing? I do an average of how much time I'm going to spend on that ticket. And then I also take a look at meetings because as a team of one in an IT department, you're going to be in a lot of meetings because you're the only person there to, like, talk anything technology. Uh, and so looking at your meetings will also help out with that. And, and you can kind of gauge, like, do I have any time where I can go and, like, get a co- like, walk for a coffee? And if the answer, to the, if the answer is no, yeah. you're past it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My, I think my kind of uh, test for that, like, if I've been overwhelmed, is mm-hmm. there are times I'll, I'll go home and, um, you know, get the, you know, the wife to say, like, yeah, how was your day? What did you do today or something? Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, look at her blankly and just be like, I, I don't know, actually. Yeah. I and mean, there was a bunch of fires. I know I did some things. Mm-hmm. But I'm not quite sure exactly like what they were like mm-hmm. you feel a feeling of just not accomplishing something like you kind of know like boy i'm not getting to some of the things that are like really moving the needle i'm reacting yeah. putting out the fires well and a lot of times you'll also notice the quality of your fit of what you're doing isn't that great either because you're like i got an mvp i have to fix it to where it works and then i got to leave it uh and it's actually we were talking about that today at my office because there's a few of our conference rooms that i built our office here in san francisco and they work but they are not pretty i haven't dressed the cables they haven't been pulled through the pass through it's all ugly and i'm like it works i can't i can't go back to it right now it works right uh, and so that's kind of where it's at <laughs> yeah that that's always hard I've, I've run into that as well like where you you're walking you band-aid you know mm-hmm. and you kind of know mm-hmm. it too and it kind of like it hurts your soul yeah um but you just like no I, I just have to do that because there's other things kind of like getting totally you know uh queued up so gotta take care of those things mm-hmm. um so again so w- let's imagine now like you know you you get to this point where you're like hit that 80 percent where mm-hmm. I, I need to you know look for some help mm-hmm. how, how do you go about understanding like what you're looking for and, and, and that resource that you're going to bring on. Totally. 
Um, it really depends on where you're at. If, like, if you're bringing on that first hire, I tend to go for more of a generalist. Um, and even then, I, I, I will always go for someone with the better soft skills, someone who can handle that that interpersonal re- relationship with the with the user much better. I can teach anyone to fix anything. Um, I just can't teach you how to be an, an easy, approachable person. Right. Um, and so that's that. Normally, the first hire is going to be that generalist person who kind of can help take some of the things off your plate. They might need a little bit of help, need a little bit of guidance, but you can kind of give them a direction, point them there, and say go, and they'll take off with it. Um, and like if you're, you know, maybe adding onto your already existing team, uh, one of my favorite uh, tools is to kind of gather the team together, have them write down on index cards what they like least about their job, uh, and then normally you can find, you can make a job out of that, and you can pay someone to do that, and they'll actually enjoy that part of the job. So you've made two employees happy by giving someone a job that they like and taking the things uh, from a job they hate. And putting it onto someone else uh, so they can focus on things they they more enjoy, which is great. Yeah, yeah, I I, I like that as well. Uh, being able to because like I think if I did that right now and said like you know give me the things that you guys don't want to do, mm-hmm. I, I got a feeling that they would basically write it up in like ten minutes. Yeah, totally. And it'd be like, oh, I didn't realize that uh, you didn't really enjoy doing that. Yeah. You know? Someone might be like, I hate doing you know I hate spinning up new users. Someone might be like, oh, I love just sitting in a room you know, pr- you know imaging. Well, we don't image anymore, but you know setting up a machine or you know going through with Jamf uh, all the Jamf policies things like that. Uh, some people might hate doing that but some people might love doing that writing scripts etc so yeah. right especially when you're talking like again like you're talking about like the generalist i think that's typically what people do they say mm-hmm. like look there's just plenty of stuff like walk up help or the, the tier one type of like you know totally. support mm-hmm. just need somebody to get in there again back to your um you know one of the re- I, I have the same type of requirement or uh importance around like just the mm-hmm. people still people skills mm-hmm. and um you know but perfect opportunity right because you're going to basically hopefully find that person bring them on in and they're going to be hungry to kind of learn new technologies and you know learn tech you know it and Mm -hmm. all the applications and services and Mm -hmm. um you know hopefully excited about working at a startup or uh, you know high growth company exactly yeah and that journalist normally they'll pick a path i find that they'll they'll be like oh i really like to do networking and they'll kind of go in that direction like oh i really like doing i actually like doing the help desk maybe i'll become like the leader of the help desk team as the company grows and normally that first journalist will pick some kind of path and they'll become the specialist for the company in whatever they really like, which is which is always really great because they get career growth. You get a specialist or a leader uh, who can help you know grow the team as well, which right. is awesome. Yep. You know, one thing also to mention that I, I think is really important is that um, there's a lot of times where uh, if you're like again, let's imagine that you're at that eighty percent, and then mm-hmm. like you know you're going through, you're drafting up the the job requirements and then the job descriptions, you know, starting to look for that, that right person. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, that 80 could go to 90 kind of fast, real quick, <laughs> right? Cause you're spending your time interviewing and mm-hmm. looking for that right person, what have you. Um, there's sometimes I've seen, I've been guilty of this, of having this, um, uh, tendency to, uh, want that first person I, I think could just kind of fill the job, mm-hmm. right? Just like, I just need a body, you mm-hmm. know, I need somebody to come in here, but I've been burned by that in the past. And, and I think what I've learned from that is this, is that, one, just take your time. Like you will know after you like talk to that person mm-hmm. when they walk out of the room, you're just like, they're like, we got to bring them on. Not like, well, they were pretty good, not bad. I've I've learned that you got to be. That person was awesome. That first one has to be pretty spot on because you got to remember they're your support at that point. Like they're not, you know, they're not gonna come into a, a chain like a, a team. They're gonna be a link on a chain to help out the whole team. They're your lifeline at that point. And so you want to make sure that you get that that person to be is gonna be like you know the the all star. And and sometimes it's hard. Sometimes you don't find them. Sometimes you get lucky. At my last company, I showed you the first person we hired on uh, on my team. He was actually the receptionist who was tired of doing receptionist work, uh, and he he had amazing interpersonal skills. And I was like. You are probably the best type of person for this job. 
uh, give me six months and I can have you doing tickets, coaching things on your own, feeling way more confident in your technical ability. Because like he he was one of the ones before he transitioned to my team who came to me with like, I, I installed a virus on my Mac, which is like, okay, you first off, let's let's talk about that. But secondly, love the honesty. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Come up to me. Um, but yeah, so within you know six months, he was troubleshooting and fixing things like that. Uh, and so you, you can learn anything if you got the, you know, the, the hunger yeah. and the drive. That, it, it, that's a really good, great example of like really what I look at. You were talking earlier about the soft mm-hmm. skills. I, I couldn't agree more. Like mm-hmm. part of me, especially for that, that first role, who's going to be, I, I kind of think about it. Like you are the tech, the ambassador to our team. Mm-hmm. Like there may be one or two or three of us, but as we grow in the end, those people tend to people be the people that represent the mm-hmm. entire team because typically we're either in meetings or like yep. you know building stuff out or just on the go. But the day to day person that is actually fielding these requests and helping people, getting back to them, whether in person mm-hmm. or online or what have you, it's that person. And so it, that skill is huge. It's huge, and it's I find that if you have someone who's approachable, people will come up and like actually ask questions. And if you have someone who's not, they'll just live with it. Uh, and then when you like, why have you been, why are you doing this? Like I could have fixed this in two minutes if you just come over and talk to me. Like this is super simple to fix. And I find the same problem actually with remote offices. Normally what happens is they don't tell me anything until I show up there. And then like all the problems just come out of the woodwork. Like, oh, hey, now that you're here, right. can you take a look at this thing? I'm like, you know, if you'd have told me a while ago, I could have fixed this on my last visit or put it on my, you know, yep. taken care of it remotely. Um, but yeah, having that person who's, who's approachable will just solve so many more problems. Yeah, I mean, in the end, I've, I've had many people come up and say like, you know, um, I, I've run into environments where I go there and people don't submit like requests because mm-hmm. they're going like one, like I never hear back. Yep. Um, or two, um, like don't feel comfortable asking questions. If, like they kind of feel like they're getting ridiculed. Mm-hmm. I've, I've seen that tons of times. Oh, totally. Um, so just having that right person go in, even if they don't have the technical chops yet to kind mm-hmm. of answer the questions quickly, mm-hmm. um, just having that skill set of like, you know, communicating, listening to the problem, mm-hmm. you know, empathizing, saying like, totally get it, yeah. setting expectations of like, mm-hmm. hey, you know, we'll, I hear your problem. I'm submitted in, in a ticket. You can track it that way. And yep. uh, we'll get back to you before the end of the day with an update on what's mm-hmm. going on. Like to me, that's like more than half the battle. It is. And I also find that um, the person who is willing to admit they don't know the solution and they're going to go and look into it and get back to you is more trustworthy than the person who like pretends they know the answer right. or they Google it on their phone. Like, I don't want that person who's like, oh, I know everything. I can fix this. Like, I'd rather have someone who's like, oh, you know, I actually am not sure. Let me go take a look. I'll get back to you after I figure out what's going on. Like, because no one knows everything. Don't pretend like you do. <laughs> You're right. Exactly. And, you know, the other thing that's really important is like, you know, some of these, again, modern, um, you know, applications, uh, you know, again, like a, a spoke is, is great to have in the sense mm-hmm. that um, you bring somebody on new. Um, there's a knowledge base for them to kind of like refer back to exactly. whether it's something internally like, hey, there's this is an article meant for like, I, you know, technology team only mm-hmm. um, or just understanding like how um, maybe a senior person on the team responds to other people. Totally. It's a great resource, a great knowledge base. It really is. I mean, the knowledge base is the is the biggest point of, of a tool like that. Like you want your users to be able to find something quick and easy. But I mean, it's also useful to new IT people because they might not know. They don't have they haven't been spun up on your systems yet. They don't know what's going on. They don't know how everything's set up. So having that knowledge base is a great way for you to kind of dive in and kind of get a grips on the environment um, really quick, which is you know super useful. Yep, agree. Um, and let's talk about like what happens when you have somebody that is not – the need is more than just an individual contributor and it's mm-hmm. more of kind of like a lead position. Uh, like you're hiring one or you're trying to transition maybe one of your team members into that role? Yeah, or you know maybe both. Maybe mm-hmm. talk about both of those. I think that you – I think we had talked uh, earlier about um, – you know, providing kind of like a, a kind of a, a path, a growth path, a framework. Yeah, yeah. So like a growth path. This is something that I find uh, super useful, and I'm trying to remember the, the metaphor I use because it's uh, it was it was a really good one that, uh, we talked before. Um, 
But, uh, you know, oh, okay, so if you if you have an individual, an individual contributor, maybe that tier one person, you know, their job is mostly going to be that reactionary, that, like, they're going to you know, react to an issue. Um, and you can start looking at the way to grow into that tier two is when they start thinking about how to prevent that issue from happening. Okay, maybe, maybe I can make an automation inside Jamf that would, like, do a run a policy to prevent this particular issue from happening. When you start thinking in that mindset, you're moving on to that more tier two uh, you know, more leadership role where you're like, okay, like how can we make this not happen again? Uh, which is kind of the mindset you need to kind of get into that leadership role because that's when you start thinking about how, what projects can I run to kind of fix this issue? What project can I run that would negate that from even being a thing? Uh, and that's kind of the way you would grow that internal, uh, at least the way I grow it. Like normally there's like a tier one, tier two, and then like a lead. And that's the kind of the idea is that you, you start thinking differently almost. And you think, how can I make this not be an issue again? Right. Yeah, I'm trying to think of some of my past experiences um, where uh, in two different cases, one in which I brought in kind of like that like first level tier one um, mm -hmm. generalist. Mm -hmm. And it was great. Um, but what I would find is that over time and based on the amount of growth and challenges that were in front of us, mm -hmm. I, I realized later on, like, boy, I needed somebody a little bit more senior. Like in the end, what it ended up happening for me, at least, was you got to remind yourself that if if you're in an environment where it's, you know, yourself and then like this generalist, mm -hmm. there's going to be a amount of time that you need to dedicate towards helping um, get them up to speed. And that takes some time. Right. So there's an investment to be made like early on. And then what that means is maybe some of the projects that you were, you know, uh, planning on focusing on mm -hmm. may need to kind of go to the right a little bit on the schedule. Um, but longer term, that person becomes, you know, more valuable. Totally. I, one of the things I find about a generalist, especially like a more junior generalist, is they will stick around a lot longer. If you hire on a specialist, uh, let's say, you know, you're, you're doing a bunch of networking work because you're opening a bunch of offices and you don't know networking, so you hire on a guy who's super specialized into networking. Once you're kind of done doing that stuff, he's going to get super bored because he's not doing what he likes to do. His specialty is kind of out of the company. Maybe you halt on your growth a little bit or you built out your offices and now you're growing into them. So things change. Whereas that generalist, I feel like well, they'll be hungry. They'll grab that specialty um, and then they'll, you know, they'll move on to the next one. Uh, I do agree. Definitely. There are times when you need a specialist. Um, I've I've always taken the generalist, I feel like, um, and kind of let them kind of grow into it. Maybe because I've always been lucky to kind of bring on the higher before I hit that 80%, like I know I'm on the way. I've always been able to kind of get that person. So I've never had the the issue of like, I don't have time to train you because I have so many other things going on, uh, which I'm, I'm thankful for, but I'm sure other people might might have that issue. Um, and yeah, I think definitely a specialist in that case might might be the best way to go. Thanks, Kyle. And now let's quickly jump to a word from our sponsor at Spoke. Hey, what's the Wi-Fi password? Do I have any PTO days left? My monitor's acting up. Can you take a look? Are we off to Friday after Thanksgiving? Today's workplace is full of internal requests, many of which are asked over and over again. In our on-demand world, employees expect answers immediately, which leads to clogged inboxes, unresolved tickets, and major headaches for everyone. If this sounds familiar, you need Spoke. Spoke uses artificial intelligence to answer those repetitive questions you're so tired of answering, and machine learning helps the product get smarter with every use. For questions Spoke can't help with, like, my laptop isn't working, Spoke will automatically route the request to the right team and team member with all the details of the request. Spoke also lets employees make these requests wherever they're used to working, whether Slack, email, web browser, and even SMS. Say goodbye to those clunky ticketing systems your employees hate using, and hello to simple, human, and conversational request management. To see how Spoke can help, visit askspoke.com and book a demo today. That's askspoke.com. Okay. Um, 
other question I had was around like now that you know exactly what you need, mm -hmm. um, just talking about the importance of like a, a job description that is like very accurate. And then again, um, adding on to that, as you bring in candidates that are um, applying to the job, mm -hmm. being able to like really be confident that what you're telling them their job is going to be is mm -hmm. actually the, what their job is going to be day one. And that's so hard in a startup. It's it's insane because you'll make that job description and then next week you might pivot the entire company and that job description has changed so much. But the job description is super important, especially because it's it's that's what they want to do. So they're reading that description and, and that's what they're coming here to do. And if it's not that, then they're not going to stay very long. Uh, and that's not going to work for you. It's not going to work for the team. It's not going to work for the company because you're not going to get any help. You're going to spend all that time kind of troubleshooting that. Uh, the job description is, I always find the easy way to make that is, I think we'll, we'll call back to what I did before. As I said, I have the team write down things they don't like doing. Mm -hmm. And that kind of almost becomes your job description. Like, these are the things you'll be doing. You'll need to know how to work in these systems because that's what you'll be working on. Um, but for the generalist, it's it's always, it's really complicated because you want, you're like, I need you to know everything. Kind of okay, but nothing super <laughs> well. Right. Uh, and it's 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 one of those ones that I always struggle with, like, IT journalists are like some of the hardest, I think, to write the description for because you'll never know. Well, you I mean you know what they'll be doing, but you never know what they might come up against, and yeah. so you have to kind of prepare for that. Yeah, it's interesting because like um, I think what I've done is is try to give an accurate uh, portrayal of like what they're going to run into, and a lot of times mm -hmm. it's like, look, there's not a whole lot of process. I am kind of running around here. I just mm -hmm. need like you know set the 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 expectation that like the first three months, I just need you to kind of help like you know, um, field these tickets, get yep. back to people, let them know what's going on. Mm -hmm. um, and then as things settle, then it's going to like, what I want this position to be is, and I try to give like a one year, like in a year from now, mm -hmm. what you should be doing, you should be working on th these, you know, several of these projects. You should be mm -hmm. able to kind of like, you know, you should own this, like our um, case management system. Yep. Uh, you should be able to kind of manage like what, whether, you know, some of the infrastructure, what have you. Yeah. I mean, it kind of ties back to that. Uh, we talked about before the 30, 60, 90, like, which especially when you first bring them on, like you, you like, hey, within 30 days, I, I want you to be up to speed on these things. Within 60 days, I want you to be, you know, handling at least 60% of the tickets. Like, and then 90 days in, like, you should be running with it kind of that's the idea um i think that's the easiest way to kind of get it sped up uh, and one of the things you can do is you can set goals it's very similar to like how i have my uh, my tier one tier two and then leadership kind of flow uh kind of chart you can kind of track okay like we're gonna go green in this one you're going green in this one so we're checking out these boxes to make sure that you're you're ramping up really great and that's always that's an easy way to kind of help any employee because it you've started off that that system and the next one comes on you just follow that same system and, and once you've created that it just makes it so much smoother yeah i totally agree it's matter yeah so the 30 60 90 has been mm -hmm. really helpful for me and i mean i think in the end it, what it does is that so now that you know you find out what you the person that you need you mm -hmm. find the right candidate you hire them on you kind of talk to the team or you you know if you're a team of one you talk mm -hmm. to yourself talk to and yourself. you basically <laughs> say like hey you know here are the the third you know the things that we're going to allow you know this person to accomplish over those those you know 90 days mm -hmm. But that takes some effort on my part to mm -hmm. make sure that like, hey, we're going to discuss today, you know, whether it be like Google or, mm -hmm. you know, Okta or any yep. of these kind of like um, systems or applications that are going to be under their domain. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, uh, I love going through like on a weekly basis of like, let's check the box. Like, what did we go through? You feel good about this? What have you? And then also just sprinkle in a win there. Right. Totally. It's the weekly check-in is so great. And it's, it's funny because I think all of our teams, we sit next to each other likely in the same pod. You know, we're talking every day, but that one-on-one -on -one weekly check-in where you like actually dedicate time to like what's going on in your head or checking in on these 30, 60, 90s, it's super important for like the morale of that team. Because if you don't have that, they're never going to like be able to sit there and talk to you about things that are going on or what they're thinking about. Um, and it's just, it's 
it's so useful. And I, it's, you don't think about it when you're in it, but you think about it after like, man, that was, that was super useful to that person or to me. Oh yeah. I've had candidate. I mean like, you know, uh, new employees come over and say like, that was super helpful, you know, mm-hmm. cause I'm nervous. I didn't know, know quite a lot. Wanted mm-hmm. to learn like, you know, different things. And I think in the end, you know, um, if I was starting a new job, the first, you know, one of the big motivations for me is I obviously want to be challenged and like, you know, new, mm-hmm. new things to learn. Um, but you want to feel like you're contributing. And I think that totally. that's kind of what it does. It's like, you know, they're learning and then they're mm-hmm. able to kind of get these wins. And they feel like they're kind of contributing to the team. And it just kind of like, you know, uh, allows them to self-motivate. Totally. Like, see, like, I am absolutely helping the team in, in some regard. Yeah. And it's a huge confidence boost when you start learning things or taking things on. Like, maybe when that person's like, okay, I'm now managing the whole I keep going to Jamf because it's. It, I was working in it earlier today, mm-hmm. but it's like it's you know maybe you're running all of Jamf. Like okay, I have all of that taken care of. Like it's it's an ownership of it. You're taking care of it. You're running everything in that. And it's it's a huge confidence boost. It is absolutely. You know, it's like one. Uh, speaking of like you know these like a Jamf or mm-hmm. you know um, other systems. What's awesome is like bringing somebody on and as they um, and you find out that they're really the right candidate and they're mm-hmm. just like soaking this stuff up and want to yeah. learn more and more and more. I love where um, I'll start to look at my own. Um, tasks that I do on a daily basis and say like, mm-hmm. why am I doing this anymore? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like I could do it, but like, this is a perfect opportunity to kind of pass this on. You do that. And then I'm like, now I got free time to, you know, do these other things or, you know, think about some of these kind of like uh, more impactful, um, you know, projects. Totally. And I think that's one of the ways that you kind of foster a new leader in your organ- in your team, especially like, okay, if you're, the, if you're the sole leader on the team and you start giving, you see someone who's kind of or, you know, hungering for that more, they're going to doing better at it. Uh, you can start handing off a couple of these small leadership. Maybe they meet with the product team to talk about any software, like letting that go a little bit. We can a let them grow their career in a direction. Maybe they want to go into leadership. You know, we, one of the things you have to remember as a manager is that person will not always be at your company and your duty to them is to give them some career growth. Uh, and, and keep them at the company as long as you can. Keep them happy. But at the end of the day, the employee is the most important part of that of that equation, not totally agree. anything else. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm a big believer, and and at least the teams that I've managed is honestly tell them like, hey, one, I trust you. Like mm-hmm. you know, things will go wrong. Just come and talk to me about it. Yep. Let's just figure it out. Like learn from the failure and make sure it doesn't happen again. Mm-hmm. And then also just let them know like, hey, we're we're all leaders. Forgetting forget like you know put put the your titles to the side here yep. for a second. Like we all need to make decisions and. Um, I encourage them just to, you know, if I'm not around or somebody else is not around, just use common sense, use yep. your, your best judgment, but you're a leader too. Yeah. Make a call. One of the things I want, I was thinking about as well is like, okay, like we're talking about like finding the, the right candidate and you've brought them on again. Mm-hmm. Um, how about, do you have any past experience with things that have been motivating to you as like, you know, cause we both been in that same position. We started somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, are there, are there things that you've kind of like learned in your own experience that you, you bring to the table now? Yeah, um, I think leadership style is one of the things that I learned pretty quick on. I had a, you know, everyone has a bad boss. Uh, not everyone gets a great boss. Uh, and when you have that first great boss, it's it's super telling to how, like, if you want to be a leader in the company. Because first off, being a leader is not the only path to growth at a company. You can be a super specialist and that can be your, your way to go. But if you want to be a leader, um, having that great boss experience is, is one of the best things. And, and one of the things I took away from that was his willingness to just, like, be a soundboard and, like, almost let me make the decision while bouncing ideas off of him for the whole team. So like we were just, it was, we were a team of two at the time. He was head of IT. I was like senior support um, specialist or whatnot. And like, we were just sitting in a room going over what we're trying to figure out, bouncing ideas off of each other. And he would be willing to let go of his idea if he realized that mine was better. And like that mentality, if you recognize that something is better than your idea and you're willing to be like, you're right, I'm wrong. That's from, from someone who's not a leader looking at the leader, that's huge. Uh, and it's something that every leader does. Most, a lot of leaders will be like, 
no, we're going to go my way. I think it's the best way. Like I've done this before kind of thing. Like, the command control. Exactly. I, I totally, I, I couldn't agree with that more. I, I love, you know, I think uh, one thing that I've really gained from is just, you know, talking to, you know, teams that been that I've been able to work with and just kind of go like, look, like I don't know everything. And like, there's times that I just need to be more informed. You know, sometimes you're going to be in a position with way more information than me and being yep. willing to kind of say like, I can learn from any one of anybody at this table. Like, let me know, um, mm -hmm. you know, what, if you disagree with what I'm suggesting or what I'm talking about, if mm -hmm. I'm, you know, full of shit, yeah. you know, just tell me. And yeah. like, let's like, let's talk candidly about that. I'm fine. But like, you know, let's, let's make the right decision collectively. Totally. And because a lot of times, especially if you're making that decision, if you've been working on it for a long time, you'll be really close to it. And someone who's on the outside can like, you're missing this entire thing to your left. You're just blinded because you're looking directly at the problem. Like, oh man, I, how did I not see that? And like, there's a solution right there for you. So just having that second pair of eyes uh, is super, super helpful. Yeah. And I think it also, again, it, it has this impact of like motivating the team and making mm -hmm. you feel more cohesive. Totally. You know, like, you know, having a team that when you come together and, and you're able to, you know, talk candidly and openly um, without like fear of like, you know, pissing somebody off. Mm -hmm. I think that's like super healthy. And they're more invested because yeah. they feel like they're making decisions and they're actually contributing, which is Again, it's a huge part to that, like, career satisfaction. Like, if you actually feel like you're valued and your input is actually taken, you don't want to just be shouting into a void and having right. no one listen to you. Right. That's super demeaning. So. Yeah. so tell me, like, what is, like, what is your, your process of, of, like, you know, uh, managing your team? Like, could you mm -hmm. talk to me, like, you know, you know, at a very high level? Like, mm -hmm. how do you deal with, like, the day-to-day -day or, like, what do you do weekly, you know, monthly, quarterly, yearly? Yeah. Um, it's such a broad topic. Like all the years. <laughs> all the years. Um, so uh, I think it all starts with like you got to have that open communication with the team. And that, that's the only real way to kind of like lead the team. Um, so I am a big, like I said earlier, big believer in weekly one-on-ones with every single team member um, and kind of keeping that going. And then normally you'll have like a, a staff meeting weekly or bi-weekly. It really depends. Um, but I like a stand-up. Like, and I stole this from engineering uh, a long time ago. Like a Monday morning stand-up, like what's on your mind? What are you working on? What do you need help with? Uh, that is probably the best way to lead a team because you'll get you you might be so far above the trenches because you're, you know, you're you're dealing with other things that like you're like, oh, I could help you with that in five seconds if you'd have just asked earlier. But now you're, a stand-up means they are asking and they're right there. So you can do that every day. It should take no longer than 10 minutes. If it's going longer than 10 minutes, you're doing it wrong. And do you literally stand up? Yeah, we stand up. Yeah, I feel guilty because I, I call it a stand up, <laughs> but we sit down, but it's 10 or 15 minutes. Yeah, the, the stand up, I think I think the standing up action makes it, it enforces that like, okay, we, we're just hammering this out and then we're going to go. We don't even go to a room. Normally we'll like stand around uh, and maybe we go to the IDF uh, or we'll, you know, we'll look at a couple things or maybe we're around someone's desk just standing up there. But like, yeah, don't go to a room because it'll just turn into an staff meeting at that right. point Feels and that's formal. not what you want yeah yep. um and now how about like on like on the individuals like how do you set like their like yearly goals and personal goals yeah i mean so normally what i'll do is, is i'll ask them what they want to do um you come in and you say okay where do you want to see yourself because that like i said that's the most important there i might not be able to make them happy at the company if that's if if that's the case i want them to know that and i want to mentor them into finding another another job um, so I want to know what they want to do, where they want to grow. And then we set goals on that. So let's say they, I'll use my my, uh, my teammate from my last company, Jason, as an example. He really wanted to go to networking. I was like, great. There's some steps to that. You know, you need to get your network plus plus. You need to learn like how to actually talk to the firewall and the switches and get into the CLI and all these kind of different things. So 
we just sat down, we set some like milestones. Okay, you go get your network plus plus certification. Then I want you to configure this switch from scratch to be a part of our stack. And then, you know, now I want you to configure this firewall topology, like for the for the office and having it connect to the to the SSL VPN network or the IPsec VPN network. Like start giving them harder and harder tasks so they can do it and and have them try to figure it out. Like don't be like, oh, do this, now do this. Be like, go do it. If you have a question, come to me. I will show you, but I want you to try and figure it out because that's the way you're going to remember it. Yeah, yeah, and that's the way to do it. it. I did something interest. I did something just recently, and it was a really cool thing. We actually mm-hmm. created our own sandbox, and basically what we did is we said like, let's you know, for us like you know, our stack looked like something like you know, Okta, Active mm-hmm. Directory, Meraki, you mm-hmm. know, um, and some other services, Gmail, and some others. And what we did is we basically paid for. It, a completely separate instance on our own Mm -hmm. and basically built it up to kind of mirror what we had in production. Mm -hmm. And, um, I mean, it really has been a huge hit because for a couple of reasons, one that, uh, you know, that you reminded me of it. One was like, Hey, just the the basics of saying like, Hey, we're about to make a change to whatever service. Mm -hmm. We want to have a little bit more confidence that once we say apply and confirm (laughs) that it's not going to break stuff. Right. Sandbox is really useful for that reason. (laughs) Right. I mean, absolutely it's it's i highly recommend it it takes some work to do it but like Mm -hmm. it pays in dividends we use it for that but then what we started to do is um for some of our um our uh you know uh tier one and and like uh support level folks we had them use that as an area to to work and test some things out on Mm -hmm. their own right so they there was um it was nice it was a place that they could actually you know screw things up but it wouldn't impact anything and we could kind of like recover for it pretty quickly Mm-hmm. Um, but boy, like, I mean, providing like, to your point where you're saying like, Hey, like go over and, you know, turn on a particular service within Okta or like mm-hmm. Samalize an application, mm-hmm. right? Here's your test. Like, here's the, the application we want to do. Here's the instance, go for it, mm-hmm. you know, and really encourage them to go online, find the information that you need to get this done. It's all online yep. and you just need to go out there and find it and then find the right process, what have you. And, uh, yeah, it's been a huge, uh, a huge asset for us on the team. It's a huge help. And I, I especially love the tools like Okta that give you the sandbox part for free if you're right. paying for like the premium support. Like it's like when they give you that, it's like, oh my God, thank you. Right. <laughs> um, I actually want to go back to a word you said, like, so they can screw it up. It's funny because I, I left this out earlier and I just thought about it. But one of my biggest questions that I asked in an interview is tell me when you fucked up the worst. I don't know if I can say it. When you screwed up the worst. Yeah, everybody when, knows. Yeah. Like, when did you delete the file screw server? Screw up yeah. and fuck up or <laughs> yeah. completely different. When, tell me about the time you deleted the file server and how you rectified it before anyone found out because that tells me that you will never click that button again. Or you understand the power of <laughs> exactly. clicking enter like in like committing that change. Exactly. So like having someone who's actually screwed up. So like that big thing you just... You, it's one of those things that as an IT person, we've all done it. We've all been like, wait, where, where'd it, where, where'd it go? Where'd the VM go? Right. Uh, and so that's a really fun question to kind of ask someone in an interview process. And I, and I recommend asking that question because you'll learn a lot about how they will firefight right there. Uh, totally. And as a matter of fact, I would say like I've used that same question. Mm-hmm. And to me, a red flag is like nothing. Like if they're like, that's a no, huge not, red flag, not, not, you know, or something that is just like really like, you know, yeah. like I misspelled the person's name or something mm-hmm. like that. I'm like, mm, no. See, I normally, I find that there'll be like, some people might be nervous to tell you it. Cause they're like, oh, I, you know, I don't want you to know that I fucked up this bad. So normally I'll, I'll kind of get around that and you feel free to steal the story. But this was my biggest fuck up is I deleted the file server. And which is why I said that one earlier, I deleted the file server for this nonprofit. Uh, and thankfully. I had like taken uh, I had taken a, a snapshot of it before I deleted it, um, but like I literally sat there for like ten minutes, going, "What the fuck am I gonna do?" So I tell this story to kind of be like, "This was mine. This is how I fixed it." Like, thankfully, I'd taken I'd done this this snapshot. Um, now, 
feel more comfortable to tell me your biggest one. I yeah. I actually I, I think I have one that's very similar, but it's probably a bigger screw up. <laughs> I'm not sure it's gonna make the tape, but it's worth telling you. Yeah, okay. So I was uh, working at a large financial services um, firm that's actually still based in San Francisco. Okay. And um, it was a Friday afternoon. Oh. Everybody was going out for drinks, and then we were gonna go to Tahoe. Mm-hmm. And um, one of these um, one of the last processes I did at the end of the day was to run a command on the server which would clear out like this older queue Mm -hmm. and somewhere in me typing out this command um i think i did a a forward slash which went to root and so i deleted and left and and so the the crazy thing is i had an amazing weekend i was off off the grid and so um having a great time and uh i think Sunday night, I get back home and I'm getting, I get all these phone calls and like Someone one has- of them's my peer, um, actually one of my mentors and uh, she basically, Sarah mm-hmm. was just like, how was your weekend? In a very sarcastic <laughs> way. And I'm like, uh, it was great. What's going on? Well, she, you know, she, she goes on to tell me like, you know, you, that forward slash actually went to the root and you actually deleted the entire file structure. And it took, it took like four hours, so much data in there. It took about back then, it took about four hours to just delete mm-hmm. it. So what ended up happening was people were slowly seeing all the files just disappearing. <laughs> and uh, poor Sarah oh, had man. to go back in in the weekend. And she, re- what a good teammate. I mean, by the time I got ba- get back in, she yeah. was just like, I fixed it. I fixed it, yeah. You know, but it was the power. She's like, when you click enter, like, you know, it, it, it was like from that moment on, I mm-hmm. I try to like, you know, measure twice, cut once. Exactly. Measure twice, cut once. It's, that's the best <laughs> thing you can <laughs> learn from one of those things. Yeah. We could go through these like fuck up stories all day. <laughs> I'm sure we I could. I got a few more. No one's ever going to hire us I, ever again. I, I know. They're like, are we sure we wanted to hire this guy? <laughs> this guy's fucked up this a lot. This guy's an idiot. <laughs> totally. You know, I think there's a learning lesson around that. I mean, again, like we were talking about like mm-hmm. being able to have like, I don't know if like courage is the right word, but being able to gonna be honest and say like, I messed up. Yeah. Here's what happened. And mm-hmm. here's what I learned. I think when you're talking to a candidate, you actually want, I want to hear that story because yeah. it tells me that they're you're open to kind of like admit to mistakes that are made and what they learn from it. Mm-hmm. And then again, you know, I think being a little bit more um, conscious about like when I'm about to press enter or mm-hmm. follow a process to, yep. to a tease is super important. They'll also likely be more, they'll be more likely to come to you as soon as they realize they've done something wrong. Like we, we messed this up. We need to fix it pretty quickly. And they can come to someone who actually knows what they're doing instead of sitting in the corner and be like, okay, how can I fix this? Like without anyone finding out that I, I messed this up. Um, normally it'll get solved much faster. Uh, you know, you don't have to wait for the page duty page. You can <laughs> fix it before it kind of gets out. Yep. Um, you talked earlier about, uh, bad bosses or bad experience or bad leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, could you talk to me a little bit about like, what are the lessons you learned from, those types of leaders? Uh, you learn what not to do, <laughs> uh, which is probably the primary thing. Um, it, it kind of, you know, it sucks. She, the, or the bad boss that is on my head, it, it's, it, it was nowhere near her fault. She was hired and did a job that she probably shouldn't have been doing. Uh, and, you know, on the hiring manager, her hiring manager probably shouldn't have put her in that position. You know, someone who's a non-technical person leading a full technical team, that's just not ideal. Um, at that point, she's just doing people managing. And in order to like seem like she was doing something, she would micromanage. So if you kind of look at these things, these traits that you hate as a boss, like micromanaging is probably the worst one. If you micromanaging your employees is going to piss them off more than anything else because it's like you they feel like you don't trust them uh, or yep. they don't know how to do their job. Uh, and like you hired them to do a job, let them do their job. Um, so those are the kind of things you learn from the bad bosses is really what not to do. Yeah. Which no, it, it's funny. Cause like the moment you're saying that I had the same experience, um, with, um, 
a boss from a few years ago. And, and, um, a lot of times, like, you know, we're talking again, the, the theme here is like, you know, finding the, you know, the right candidate and the right mm -hmm. people, what you're looking for, um, mm -hmm. to add to your team. And then it's really kind of a lot of work to kind of keep them motivated and inspired and, and like mm -hmm. staying on board and, and working with you. Um, and it all comes down to a lot of times is that like, how much do they enjoy working with those people that they report to? Mm -hmm. And I can tell you, like, um, I'd say at least 90% of the time when I've moved on a lot of times, it's because of the person I was working with and it wasn't enjoyable. And like the last one I could remember, um, mm -hmm. was somebody who he absolutely micromanaged, mm -hmm. you know, to a point where, um, everything you just described is what I felt like here mm -hmm. I am. I'm like, you know, I felt like I was a veteran, like mm -hmm. IT leader and mm -hmm. like, I didn't need, you know, and it was really hard for me to accept it. And I even tried talking about it. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just saying like, look, you got to trust me and I I'm, you know, doing the right totally. things. I'll keep you up to date about what's going on and communicate with you and what have you. And, um, still it just, it just, the person just, that was like the way they were built. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's like the, a bad leader can, can make you leave a good company and a good leader can keep you at a company. If you're not sure if the company is going to like what the company is doing, that that good leader can hold that person there sometimes to the detriment. Maybe you stay a little too long because you like the people you work with, but, uh, like a good leader will almost be like a, a rock that you can hold on to while maybe the company's pivoting or going through a restructure or things like that. Um, having that, that great relationship with your, with your leader, uh, will, will kind of give you that thing you can hold on to. Got it. Yeah. So, I mean, that's been great. I mean, just like to kind of, for me, I feel like, you know, summarizing, kind of talking about like, Hey, like knowing when to hire that person that you need mm -hmm. talking about, uh, you know, setting up, uh, a, a job description of, you know, mm -hmm. providing a, a means of, describing what this person's going to do, mm -hmm. um, you know, making sure that they're successful and how mm -hmm. to be a good leader. I think it's super important stuff. Super important. And one of the things that I think we, we kind of made, I don't know if we glossed on this or not, I mean, maybe we went past it, but like in the interview process, I'm a huge believer in having non-team members interview that person because that's the people they're going to be interacting with. And, you know, don't have them ask technical questions, just have them have a conversation with the person you're interviewing. And then just ask, like, how did you feel talking to them? Did you, do you feel like you could just walk up to that person and talk to them? Do you feel like you could sit next to them at lunch and just have a conversation? Like, these are going to be important things because they're, they are the face of the team, uh, especially when you start getting to a bigger team and you have, like, you know, tier, tier one support people. They're the face. Uh, and you want those faces to be friendly and approachable. And, and like we said earlier, that's the soft skills are honestly some of the most important skills uh, in IT because you have to remember at the end of the day, your customers are the users of the company and you want them to feel comfortable and, and happy talking with your team. Yep. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, yeah, thanks for mentioning that. I think that's that's a super important. It's a uh, really important point because I think that uh, you know, thinking about it now, I I would also kind of encourage people to say like, hey, if you were bringing people outside of like technology uh, mm -hmm. to do the interview process, mm -hmm. to as a leader, you should do a pretty good job of saying like, here are the things I need you to focus on, like mm -hmm. whether it's like culture of the company yep. or communication style mm -hmm. or. Um, you know, what are some of the kind of key characteristics of like, you know, somebody who is uh, um, creative and be able mm -hmm. to kind of like work through problems. Like totally. it's really important. Like if you have a group of like four or five people that mm -hmm. you're going to, you know, um, have interview your candidate, mm -hmm. make sure that you prepare them to say like mm -hmm. here, you know, basically here's the things I want you to focus on mm -hmm. and here's some sample questions and mm -hmm. go from there. It's funny. I actually uh, had an interview once uh, where the candidate was in the room and they were um, talking with, um, Someone on our product team, I don't remember who exactly it was, uh, but she had an issue with her computer actually in the interview and he helped her fix it. And I was like, for real? Like, I was like, little, legit? Little yeah, helped her fix it, the problem. And I was like, okay, this little, little clap for you because that's, that is, that is one great way to get my attention. Oh, too bad you didn't have like a button you could press with a confetti. Yeah, confetti <laughs> yeah. comes down and like, offer. Here's, here's your offer letter. Just exactly. Sign it. Just sign, go ahead and sign right there. Awesome. Well, awesome. Um, hey, Kyle, it was great talking to you and totally. uh, I appreciate you coming out and talking to us. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been a lot of fun. Great.